We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof. I am your co-host, Jacob Karabatsis, joined by my co-host, Riley Davis, the dynamic co-host duo. Listen, the vibes have been high on this podcast before. As you guys know, like UNC, you know, they went on their nine-game win streak. 9-0 and ACC play. Ten-game win streak. Give them credit for that tenth. 9-0 in ACC play. Like, the vibes were immaculate. Um, then they lose to Georgia Tech, but now the vibes are so much higher than ever because unless you live under a rock, you're aware that UNC just dominated Duke in every single facet of the game on Saturday, basically, um, if you just want to be blunt about it. So in in honor of this win, I have finally been saving it for the right for the right moment and this is definitely the right one the unc jersey man the the little the little throwback one that they wear now love it probably my favorite unc jersey currently in the rotation she's been through two franklin street storming she's got some battle scars on her and riley is cooking in his bomber jacket riley how are we doing man i'm excellent man uh, you know, we got to, we got to celebrate this for a little while longer than it's strictly business starting on a uh, probably Monday afternoon. Got to look ahead to Clemson. Uh, but no, for real. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I'm in the bomber jacket that is, uh, made by a certain apparel company that we would love to to throw a little promo code our way, maybe a little promo code roof or something. Yeah. Y'all, y'all get it. DMS are open, but yeah, I, I think it was, it was special just being in the building and, Man, when I, I I went into Chapel Hill yesterday afternoon with my wife and son, went to Topo, uh, enjoyed some apps, and it was just as soon as we parked on campus, I, I the vibes were at an all time high, and it just hit me that that was like okay, Carolina is not losing this game tonight, and so wife and son went home. I went down to the Dean Dome, got to cover the game and everything, and uh, I got to give a shout out to the the Smith Center crowd because I. Think I'm I'm trying to think if I've heard it that loud before, and this is the third game I've been in for UNC Duke. Uh, was there last year, and then once as a student, I got to go um, in the Dean Dome. And I mean, 
when I went as a student, uh, it's like the highlight of my time in college. So maybe I'm remembering it a little bit more in, in a higher light, but I don't know. I still think yesterday's crowd was probably the best I've ever heard, uh, at least since I was a student. It was raucous from start to finish. The crowd was hanging on every shot. Like they were ready to erupt at any given play. And I mean, Carolina delivered. There was a lot of highlight reel moments, whether it was Harrison Ingram's breakaway slam and the, I can't remember if that's first or second half or any of the uh, the three threes he made in the second half or any of those mid-range shots he hit. I mean, you had RJ getting those two second half threes where it, that seemed like they really broke Duke's spirits. And of course you have Armando putting the exclamation point on it with a dunk. Uh, you know, I can't even gloss over Armando getting that little and one on Filipowski toward the end of the game too. It was just this team delivered moment after moment, got control probably midway through the, the first half and really never let up. Yeah, I, I would agree. So They've been coming off, what, three straight losses to Duke in the Dean Dome? So, obviously, yeah. it hasn't been as loud because, for example, my senior year, I watched A.J. Griffin play the best game of basketball he's ever played in his life. So, the vibes are not very high. But I just – watching on TV when they did show, like, the very beginning before they even got to tip, um, Dan Schulman was literally like, definitely no wine and cheese crowd tonight. That was, like, what he said. And – you could just tell it sounded so loud in there. And I mean, I, I wasn't there. Maybe you could speak to this one a little bit, but like the play, I don't remember the exact play that it was where they called the foul and Duke didn't hear the whistle and Caleb Foster like got uh -huh. the ball and started dribbling. And Jay Billis was like, you literally can't hear the whistle in here. Yeah. Did you I, hear it? I didn't hear the whistle. No, <laughs> I, I saw Duke running, but the crowd was cheering and I was like, Oh, that, I, I literally was watching the court like, did I miss something? Like, is it Duke's ball? Is it our ball? And it was a foul. And it was Carolina shooting free throws. So, yeah, it was great crowd. Um, I mean, not an empty seat in the Dean Dome. There's got there's part of it that's like, come on, y'all. Can we can we get this like 80% of this every home game? Would that really be that tough to do? And I think the the crowd has generally been good this year um, at all the games I've been to. Seems like the not just the students, but really Chapel Hill collectively has bought back into the program. But, you know, I mentioned this when we did our Wake Forest recap. The, the first half was pretty sleepy. It was not what you would expect when you have a top three team and a Wake Forest squad that views us as a rival and that was coming in playing really good offense, scoring a ton of points, and it was a chance for a big moment for us. Uh, sorry, I'm saying us and we more liberally tonight because Carolina just beat Duke. I say what I want. <laughs> um, Listen, I mean, it was just one of those games where – all right, so first off, got to get we'll, – we'll do the actual, you know, I guess, analysis first, and, mm -hmm. and then we'll get the stuff off our chest that we need to get off our chest towards the end. You know, for, from a from a basketball perspective, I mean, it just – obviously, it's a rivalry game, and you never look at it from the sense of this game's over. There's still a whole half to play, but just after watching that first half and watching – the tone that UNC set, the fact that they had one turnover to Duke's, what, They had six? six in the first half, yeah. Yeah, Duke's six. Like, Filipowski looked rattled in the first half. Like, he couldn't do anything. Um, Roach kind of kept him in it, then McCain kept him in it. I mean, UNC was just getting whatever they wanted. And mm -hmm. I will give credit to Shire for his game plan in slowing down RJ, but this win, to me, 
was the most important of the season, not just because it came against Duke, but because I needed to see what this team could do when someone keys in on RJ, because that's what is going to happen as we approach the postseason. It's going to be keying on RJ, and we're going to live with whatever, with Ingram or Cormac or whoever. Right. But I think what UNC showed tonight is like, we dare you to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, Ingram was due for an elite shooting night like that with the wrist injury, lowering his percentage a lot. He was due for that type of game. Um, Armando was due for that type of game. I think that that's like a statement from UNC of like, we dare you to focus in on RJ because we mm-hmm. trust the rest of our guys. Being in the Dean Dome, Riley, I mean, what did you see? Like, what what were what was the difference? I mean, from the very start, it felt like Carolina was going 120 miles an hour, but they were under control the entire time. They were pushing after makes, they were pushing after misses. And I want to say um, probably halfway through the first half or with, with about seven or eight minutes left, the, the score was tied simply because Jeremy Roach was willing Duke to stay in the game. He made some tough shots. I'll give credit to him for sure. Like uh, Duke found some success putting Armando Baycott in ball screens, which not many teams have done, especially over the past month and a half. Um, but Duke has a really nice collection of guards, mainly Roach and uh, McCain and I know I said this on our preview that I thought McCain was the best guard on, on Duke and I feel very vindicated in saying that McCain is special like he is th- that that's where we hate Duke of course but you know part of the rivalry is is it's as great as it is because it's two historically elite programs so there is that level of respect that we have to pay yeah McCain is an incredible player and I I really hope he's one and done <laughs> because he's he's more than just a shooter too some of those finishes he had around the rim were were crazy but um so he he and Roach I thought did their part uh, and made some big shots and I thought you know just some of the teams that Carolina has had uh success against defensively with their ball screen coverages haven't had those type of guards and I'm glad they were able to adjust and sort of make up for it and contain those two in the second half but yeah it, it just it seemed like Duke collectively was gassed based on how UNC was running and I think that's partially a conditioning uh advantage that UNC has um and beyond that like you mentioned the six turnovers and I think Duke finished with 11 turnovers for the game and that doesn't sound like a crazy high number, but watching it, it I would have guessed without looking at the stat sheet that Duke had probably between 17 and 20 turnovers because almost all of them were live ball turnovers and UNC like capitalized after every single one. UNC had 19 points off of turnovers. Um, yeah. They were great in transition. They were great at finishing around the basket. It was just a night and day difference from uh, the a heel squad that – couldn't do anything at the rim against Georgia Tech. <laughs> it was really like, how did Seth Trimble go from smoking layups against the Yellow Jackets to finishing every shot he took against Duke? And he talked about that post game. I posted it on the Pot as a Roof Twitter feed. You can hear him say, uh, he said, I had, a, I had a streak of missed layups and I had to get right, basically. So shout out, Seth. Uh, he's kind of becoming a pod favorite. He He's great interview, but. I mean, that's kind of like, that's what it was, man. I mean, it was the simple fact that, like like we said, didn't need Cormac to, like, make every shot he took, but two of five, 40%. If he can give me that, fine. Cadeau yep. did not shoot well from the field at all, but he was great <laughs> getting downhill. Mm-hmm. And I would like to just go back to this. We said it last week. Can anyone stop him from going downhill? 
The answer is now a definitive no, because they were literally guarding him like Ben Simmons, and he was still getting to the basket. So, man, part of me is just like, dude, I wish Elliott could just shoot 30% from three. If he could shoot 30% from three, we might beat everybody by 10. Yeah, if he can... And I I thought his a couple of the shots looked like they were going down. I didn't see that same hitch in the jumper that we saw earlier in the year. I think his base is getting better as well. And granted, I'm not a shot doc, shot doctor by any stretch. Uh, my jump shot itself is pretty streaky. I'll admit that. But <laughs> <laughs> this just comes from conversations I've had with people who you know are good at breaking down these shot mechanics to say to, to try to diagnose what are some of his issues and yeah it looks like he's made some tweaks the staff has helped him alongside there i thought one of them was gonna go because they were they were wide open and like the last one he was... took really looked like it was going yeah it, it really did but listen man his head coach is responsible for the seventh most efficient three-pointing season three-point shooting season in nba history so He'll get it figured out. He'll eventually. get him right. He'll get him right. I just, I like, I know Ross Martin, who uh, used to write for Inside Carolina, who's a friend of mine. He uh, tweeted something about how Elliot Cadeau could really, it's something along the lines of like, Cadeau should just work on that in the offseason, doesn't need to be taking threes anymore the rest of the year. But I think he should keep shooting them because eventually he's going to hit one and maybe that can, you know, grow and develop into something where he's hitting one out of every three or every four that he shoots. That like, and again, that's, that's all this team needs because you're going to get, I mean, yeah, we can talk about RJ in a second, uh, but you're going to get contributions from RJ. You're going to get contributions from Ingram. I know Cormac has been a little bit hit or miss, but he'll make enough to to keep defenses honest. So yeah, it, hopefully a breakthrough happens with Cadeau soon from beyond the arc, because that, that would truly take this team to, I mean, I would put them in the there. I would say they're knocking on the door of the UConn and Purdue tier. Uh, as far as the best teams in the country. But yeah, that would undoubtedly put him at the at the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with any of the four he took. Like they were wide open. Mm-hmm. And he still, even in taking them, he made sure he took the ones that were in the rhythm and flow of the offense. Right. He didn't just like see that they were sagging off and force it. He still took time to try to run a set, try to run a play, see if anything else developed. And then if they still left him open and it came back to him in the flow of the offense, he would take it. I really, I didn't have a problem with it. But I think the biggest key here is we have to talk about Armando because what this showed is that, you know, I guess we could talk about him and Ingram at the same time. So, This is why you and I have loved Harrison Ingram from the jump, because he's just like the perfect UNC player. He -hmm. was the perfect portal addition for this group. He is everything we needed and more. He is our version of Mark Mitchell. If Mark Mitchell was actually good at basketball, Um, it's, it's beautiful. He's an elite defender. All I'm going to say is it might have been the adrenaline of the moment, but the wrist looked a little healthier last night. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just everywhere. I think they said that was the first time that UNC has beaten Duke with two 20-point double-doubles since 98. Um, yeah, Pretty man, good team it, in 98. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, I'd <laughs> say. Some real you know, Antoine Jameson. Couple, yeah, you Stackhouse. Know. It's not a big deal. Just like one of the 
25 or 30 probably highest scores in NBA history. Not a big deal. I know he's got over 20,000. But um, I it's – Armando was just – and I don't know if that, too, was also part of the adrenaline of the rivalry. But first off, Duke's going to have to pick their poison when we play them in Cameron because Filipowski is way too small to guard him. He can't. And Ryan Young objectively sucks at basketball. So, pick a disability. What? Which one do you? What, what do you want to happen? But, like, do you think that Mondo is is officially back? Like, do you think this game kind of gets him back to what what he was, or do you think it was just kind of like he's turned up for Duke? Uh, hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I think that the concerted effort to get him involved early and often is going to be something we see going forward. Whereas I don't think Carolina needs to play through Armando like they tried to last year. Like so many times, I think part of the offensive issues was, was like no one else is making shots. Let's force the po- force a post touch to Armando, and there's going to be four guys around him because no one can hit a jumper. Um, like they don't need to go back to that style. But I think they they drew up some really nice sets for him. They were looking for him on entry passes. Found him running the floor, um, and I, I think it shows just like great maturity from the team. It shows adjustments from the staff. And in some ways, you know, of course I would have preferred to see UNC beat Georgia tech and not lose kind of an embarrassing fashion. But uh, I I wonder if taking a loss like that, you know, forces a team's hand a little bit to say like, Hey, we've sort of been not, I don't want to say phasing Armando out, but not really looking his direction for four or five games now. And I mean, he's still that guy like he is still more than capable of giving you a 20 and 10 game on any given night and uh yeah I think he just I mean part of it probably helps to be back in his own environment to be back home in the Dean Dome but yeah I wouldn't be surprised if it sort of launches a stretch where we're seeing more like 16 and 13 type games or 15 maybe a little 15 15s or 15 20 even here and that here or there um so yeah I, I thought he did a great job kind of schooling Filipowski in the post on multiple occasions. Like Filipowski looked like he wanted no part of guarding Armando down low. Um, but yeah, I thought Hubert drew up some great stuff and it really did seem like the rest of the players made a concerted effort to to recognize the advantage they had at times and, and feed the big man. Yeah. I mean, that was what I liked is they played through Armando, but they did it differently than it, than it's looked in the past. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just, force 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 it was like make the entry pass if nothing's there make the entry pass early in the shot clock if nothing's there he would reset it to a guard they'd run another action and then if it did come down to it they had at least gotten Armando to a point where they were able to run a set that could isolate him one-on-one with Filipowski and so if he did get the ball late in the shot clock he was able to go to work one-on-one Mm-hmm. But I think besides the 25 points and all that, like the thing that blew me away from Armando in this game was the decision-making because after the first 10 minutes, their guards were hedging and helping and double teaming the entire game. And he ended with five assists and only two turnovers. He did a really, really, really good job making reads out of those double mm-hmm. teams it was it was absolutely beautiful, and the one that just stands out was the quick 
Trimble give and go. I mean, that, oh, was that just, give and go was sick. It was just absolutely beautiful. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's this is what we've said all, all along, though. It's like if he obviously he's not going to get 25 every night, but if Armando can go back to that, then this team's ceiling goes up even more because they mm-hmm. showed the stat. I mean, what was it in the last like six games or or four games? He was averaging like six and six. That Armando is not going to get us over over the the hump. This mm-hmm. Armando gets us over the hump. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. 
you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Because now we'll talk about the man himself that was keyed in on Mr. R.J. Davis, my king. Um, that's what gets us over the hump because you you don't want to be one dimensional. You don't want to make it a thing where teams can come into a game and say, "All right, if we just if we just blitz R.J. or if we just ice these screens, they can't beat us because we're going to force Ingram to to score and he can't. We're going to force Armando to win in the post. He can't." You got to take that away from people. And I, and I think they did a really good job of doing that. Um, obviously, will Ingram shoot five of nine every game? No. But besides the one in the corner over Roach, they were all wide open. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I expect him to hit a good bit of those. <laughs> but RJ, I mean, you, you, you were there. So they were hawking him. Yeah. Like the ball denial, they were not trying to let him touch the rock. How in the hell did he stay so locked in for those two in- incredible clutch late shots? Yeah, I think part of it was, I don't know, this is, all right, I can acknowledge some of this is my fan perspective, and I think I was right in our our, our preview when I said Duke fans are generational at overrating Tyrese Proctor. Uh, we don't have to get into that too much, but the man. Hey, no, nah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this and stand on this, man. Nah, y'all said y'all were clipping the Proctor thing like the day after the episode. So don't sit here and try to wait until it's at Cameron and then he has a good game. Nah, <laughs> y'all need to, you need to stand on business because you said you were going to clip Riley. Clip him. Yeah, go ahead and clip it because I was right. <laughs> And (laughs) I know a lot was made of Proctor's defense because he I'll give it to him for part of the game. Yeah, he he did a good job taking RJ out of it. It felt like he took RJ out of the game for half of the first half and half of the second and then was sort of like, okay, this sucks and I want to go home. So (laughs) I'm going to stop. (laughs) Listen, that's the thing, though, like they took him so out of the game offensively. that's one of the things that even NBA players will tell you is hard to stay locked in on defense when you can't do anything on offense, Mm -hmm. which like, man, the petty, again, the petty fan of me, I've been, I've been seeing a lot of tomfoolery surfacing on the TL of people saying like, (laughs) put Cormac on Tyrese Proctor. It's going to be a show. And uh, yeah. Quite a show. Good, great job, great job defensively by Cormac. So, um, but yeah, we they I think Carolina defended him about as well as you could. Um, but yeah, I thought RJ hitting those two clutch threes late was a ton of fun. The the final one was like, okay, yeah, I tweeted it out. RJ dagger put Carolina up. I think thirteen or fourteen. Um, vanquished any sort of hope that Duke would have at a little run. And that that was like, 
sort of emblematic of the entire second half where again, credit Roach and McCain for making timely plays and hitting tough shots. But it was like UNC was up 10 to 15, the entire second half. I think Duke cut it to eight, maybe twice, but Carolina always answered with a big play. And it like the, the, the final margin felt a little fool's gold just because, and I think Filipowski's numbers seemed especially like empty calories. Cause it was like, you're doing this when your team's down double digits and you're giving up so many rebounds and so many interior points on the other hand to where, I don't know. I, I would have, it, it, it seemed like UNC was a couple made free throws and a one or two less like circus shots from McCain. And that, again, I, I don't want to sound like a hater here because when you're good like that, when you're a future NBA player, you make those types of shots. But, you know, there's just part of me that's like, man, if a couple of those had rimmed out or in Carolina hit a couple more free throws, we could have had a 15 to 20 point win. And yeah, we would just see be probably even more unbearable than we we've already been. <laughs> I mean, listen though, I'm, but it, it was definitely a little bit fool's goldish. Like it was a nine point win, but like I think most logical Duke fans would tell you, UNC just dominated that game. Mm-hmm. The only point that I was even remotely worried is when UNC got up either thirteen or fifteen at like the thirteen minute mark, and Shire called a timeout. And I was watching the game with my best friend, who's a Duke fan, which is always a fun time because we, you know, we uh we like to chirp the whole game. And uh, I told him I was like, "Look, these next four minutes are either going to win or lose the game for Duke. If they don't make us like a slight six zero run or something here, it's it's game over." The one time I got worried, I want to say it was the seven ish minute mark, is when it. Roach hit the jumper to make it 72-64. And then we missed, got an offensive rebound, missed again, and then McCain actually got like a really good look for three. I thought they were about to cut it to five. I remember exactly what you're talking about because I had that same thought. And And I was like, oh, no, they're about to cut this to five. But, you know, we took them out of rhythm for a majority of the game, which is why they shot 26% from three. And then we just came up, and then RJ comes up big, man. I mean, that's that's what the best guard in the country does, though. I mean, mm-hmm. if you watch the way they're defending him, it's constant ball denial in screens. They they absolutely iced every pick. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the icing terminology, essentially, you are extremely hard hedging every screen and allowing the on-ball defender to get back, and you're switching. They were not letting RJ get mismatches, like, at all. He didn't get a single mismatch. But he kept working, and eventually we were able to, in in the clutch moments of the game, run two off-ball sets for him, Mm -hmm. coming off screens. He was wide open, and as soon as he took both of them, I knew they were both cash. cash. Because... He was open and he shoots what 48% on open catch and shoot threes or something like that. And I'm just saying, man, that that'd be my concern if I was a Duke fan, because yeah, you did get an Ingram masterclass and you've got a Mondo masterclass, but Mondo's always going to do that against Duke. And RJ is coming to cook next game. I'm, I'm just going to let y'all know that right now. But my other main takeaway is that Tyrese Proctor is just um, Trayvon Duvall. If he liked Vegemite. <laughs> so he you're stinks. saying he's 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 blooming onion Trayvon Duvall 
Yeah, that's what he is. He's he's Outback Steakhouse. I mean, the, the, the real Australian that you want is playing for the Kansas Jayhawks right now. So, Bro, I love this team. I don't want to get us too sidetracked, but UNC was right there in the thick of the Johnny Furphy recruitment. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I'm like if we had a 6'10 wing who could shoot like hey, that. This is the biggest thing, though. UNC had four had four huge recruits in attendance for that game. And the biggest of them all has offers from UNC and Duke and posted the locker room video with the Tar Heel caption. So I'm just saying, man, if he commits, I give so much credit to this team. Mm-hmm. Facts. And apparently Inside Carolina was reporting that he was with Armando and Elliot on Franklin Street after the game. Uh and Armando, if Armando is recruiting him, if Armando's in his ear, go ahead and wrap it up. I think. And Elliot, because if Elliot's sitting there talking about like, listen, man, I reclassed, I'm gonna be back. You know, I love it here. I'm, I'm, you I'm a young guy just like yeah. you. Like, oh come on, man. I mean, look, we're cooking over here. But it was just a majestic, majestic, majestic night. Um, man, I. It was a needed one, too, because now that ACC gap goes from, like, it was here before the game. If if we lose, it, it's here. Right. But if we win, it's here. And now it's it, it's back, man. It's 10-1. and one. Um, Clemson coming to town, which typically bodes well for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Do you think we drop at all because of the Georgia Tech loss? Like in the polls? Yeah. I dropped for the for my heat check poll. I dropped Carolina to four, put Tennessee ahead of UNC. I know there are probably people like, well, what what's going on? UNC annihilated Tennessee in the Dean Dome. Uh, both teams have gotten better since then, and I, I don't know. I just had to knock Carolina for losing at Georgia Tech. Like that's a bad loss. There's no way to to sugarcoat it. I know Georgia Tech has some nice wins on their resume, but they've also lost 12 games already and just lost at PNC to NC State. Um, but yeah, I, as a whole. I'm with you. I think part of the reason why this this win felt so good, for one, you exercise some demons of getting swept last year. You ensure you don't get swept this year. In fact, you give yourself a chance to be the one to do the sweeping. But yeah, I think having a two-game lead in the ACC is going to be tough uh, for anybody to catch, knock on wood. But yeah, it's. I think all of that contributes to just feeling really excited about this win. I was going to ask if there's anything you want to see Carolina improve on because I, I think we owe it to the to the fans who listen to provide a little more. You know, we don't always we don't want to just be sunshine pumping. We want to acknowledge, um, you know, no team is perfect. And is there anything that that you're looking at to see? Hey, if Carolina can really get this corrected, um, they'll be able to keep this momentum through the second half of conference play. Number one, going to sound like the craziest gripe, but if you've watched. Free throw shooting. Dude, in the last in the last two games, I'm looking now, we are officially 23 for 42. Nine of or no. Um not 23. Sorry. We was nine of 17 against tech, right? Mm-hmm. And we shot 18 of 25 this game. So 58 and then 72%. So like somewhere in the 60s in the, over the last two games. Wait, what were we against Duke? Uh, 18 of 25. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So it's like 27 of 42, of which is terrible. Six, 64%. Yeah, that I mean, go up. God, dude. Like, you look at it, and you're thinking if they can go 21 of 25 in this game, margin's 12. If they can go 13 of 17 against Georgia Tech, it's a win. So... <laughs> I mean, gosh, it's like everyone's doing it too. Cormac missed um, an and one opportunity, mid to the line, mm-hmm. missed. RJ missed the one and one opportunity. Like, I mean, if Armando misses a free throw here and there, I'm not tripping. He's still so improved from the free throw yeah, line. Right, it's right. nuts. And Kado has become an elite free throw shooter. But n- there's literally, we just have to start hitting free throws, man. Like, it, that, that that's number one for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I still, I think it was hard for me to distinguish because, um, like, I I had some concerns about the ball screen defense against Georgia Tech. I thought Nathan George did way too much out of it. And uh, if you go back and watch, there were just possessions where Carolina was so concerned about sticking to to Debo Coleman or Miles Kelly that they weren't tagging the roller. Um, and I get those dudes can light you up, but at the same time, like someone tagged the roller so they were not giving up easy shots at the basket to a team like Georgia tech that has a sneaky, like good amount of length um, against Duke. I definitely thought it was better. Like I, I thought Armando was in good position for a lot of the the tough shots that either Roach or McCain made around him or even Foster had a really nice finish too. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a little bit tough for me to analyze. That's like, is UNC's ball sc- screen defense a little bit more shaky or does Duke just have really good guards? Um, and same with just, I thought I was a little alarmed by how many transition three opportunities that UNC gave up. It, it seemed both Roach and McCain had a couple looks uh, like on the break. And that's, again, that's what Duke has done really through the course of, I, I think they've won 10 of their last 12 maybe or, or something like that. And during that stretch, I mean, McCain has been absolutely elite at hitting threes in transition. So, you know, that is their strength to where it's probably not a huge concern long-term, but I at least there are a couple of times where I'm like, how is Carolina losing McCain? How are they losing Roach? Like, these are their two best shooters who can burn you, and you don't want to let those dudes get hot. Um, so, as, you know, again, we we don't want to be too nitpicky here, but also pot as the roof isn't just going to, to – we're not just going to view everything through Carolina blue glasses. We want to try to provide some balance in there as well and, and talk about where this team can improve. Yeah, I mean, def- like we have we have to give you all the insight to like – what this team needs to do to become a true championship. Like their championship caliber right now, mm-hmm. but these little things, if they do play a UConn or a Purdue, are the things that they're gonna have to clean up. Um yeah. the the only other gripe I'd say is I still feel like sometimes, especially last night, because RJ, like I could tell in certain moments, was like, I want to get a bucket. Sometimes there was a li- there's a little too much dribbling from the mm-hmm. guards, mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, usually we still get a decent shot, so it's not it's not as bad as it has been in the past. But that's the only other thing I'd say, like just making sure that 
that we're staying in the flow of the offense because for the most part, this team does get open looks. Um, mm-hmm. And we need to just keep attacking the basket, man. I hope the the lack of made free throws doesn't doesn't hinder our confidence in attacking the rim because yeah, I'm with you. everyone on this team is so good at getting downhill. Um, so I've got a special little um little four corners here. We'll we'll, we'll go. Let's get into it. We'll go two each. You know, Riley, I think with how hard I saw Duke fans coping yesterday on, on the TL, I, I would love for us to, to give our two each of our favorite, favorite Duke Twitter um, or Duke tweets after the game yesterday. Like the coping mechanisms, the excuses, I, I, I would just love to hear because there there was plenty, plenty of things that I saw that just were hilarious to me yeah that's 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 great for my first one do i have do i have to keep it exclusive to last night or can i extend back longer because i can extend back okay because this one is uh some cope that we definitely saw after unc beat him beat duke in the final four this happened last year yes duke swept carolina it was painful it was neither of those games are fun to watch it was not an enjoyable experience but the coping mechanism of literal final four erasure <laughs> because they swept a team that declined an NIT bid that got that same team that also got swept by Pitt, an 11 seed Pitt team that's perennially on the bubble or worse uh a unc team that lost at home i think three times four times last season uh a unc team that was in a dog fight with portland in the pk85 like because you beat a very mediocre to bad to uh, the very at the very least super disappointing UNC team does not negate history. That does not erase what happened on April third, twenty twenty two. Nah, bro. As they say, it, that doesn't hurt as much because they lost in the title game. Did Duke lose? In, oh shit! They didn't make the title game. That's right. Um. One of my personal favorites from yesterday, this this these these were really getting me going, is the amount of Duke fans who were complaining about the age of UNC's basketball team. Um, so we're too old. Eligible for every single player eligible for um division one men's basketball. Uh you guys are acting like we're rolling 30 year olds out there. No. People just uh, enjoy our campus enough to stay more than one year before leaving and going to the NBA. And you guys chose the one and done route. So don't 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 tell me every year about how talented you are. Don't brag to me about your NBA prospects and about how good you guys are in the NBA and how you have 22 current NBA players to UNC's nine. Do not brag to me about that and then use it as an excuse when you get your ass kicked. That's not what we're going to do here. Don't do that. Because I said this on the preview. How many NBA All-Star selections, when you add them up, give you a national championship in college basketball? None. (laughs) None. So either don't flex your NBA players and don't flex your your one-and-done freshman talent and always say that you're more talented than UNC, or don't use the age excuse. You got to pick one. I mean, you, you can't have both, but those just have me weak, man. 
Yeah, I think another good one uh, is the whole the effort the effort uh, argument. Like, I know I kind of said this about Georgia Tech, so it's a li- little hypocritical. I don't care. UNC won. There's some we we might have needed this losses being thrown around by Duke fans. The, the whole the effort thing, like. I get UNC definitely out hustled Duke for loose balls. Uh, they were diving on the floor. Like I was watching some highlights today. I think I can think of like at least four possessions where Caroline, like Jalen Withers had a nasty save that like Harrison, Harrison Ingram airmailed a pass and Withers was able to keep it from going out of bounds, kick it to Seth who I can't remember who got the ball to, but we got a bucket out of it. Um, of course there was the one where was it RJ or Ingram who dove? I think it was Ingram who dove on the floor Kicked it out to Cadeau, reversed the ball to Armando, to RJ, extra pass to Cormac, wide open for three. Like, those types of plays, Carolina made every single one. Simultaneously, you can't tell me that Duke wasn't up to play in the Carolina-Duke rivalry. Uh, like, there, there are bigger issues here than effort. There are bigger issues here than UNC got a favorable whistle in the first half. Uh, the main issue is Duke can't really check anybody outside of Tyrese Proctor for like 30% of a game and Mark Mitchell. Everybody else's defense is optional. I, I even saw a couple of tweets being like Filipowski was pretty good defensively. Like Filipowski was pretty good defensively last year when he had Derek Lively to clean up the mistakes. He's pretty mobile for a seven footer, but if you want him to protect the rim, that's not the guy. It's just, man, the, uh, like, I don't think they realize that. Like, Derek Lively is one of the best defensive players that has played at Duke in recent memory. This dude is elite defensively in the league already. Yeah, he's... Like, <laughs> like it's, is... that's a different breed. I can't believe how good Derek Lively is. We don't have to turn this into a Duke praise session, but, yeah, that, that man just completely... He turned it on second half last year and has been excellent for the Mavericks. So exactly. Yeah. And those types of players aren't just going to be there every year, even though you had Mark Williams the year before. Well, now I feel like I'm making, I don't want to give Duke too much credit. Uh, (laughs) Derek Lobb is a perfect segue for me because (laughs) it kind of ties into my first one, but there was a Duke account who posted a picture of UNC's players on the night of the game in the league and then Duke's players in the league on the night of the game and said, um, this is what a good night for UNC looks like. This is what a bad night for Duke looks like. And then once again, that does not change the result of what happened last (laughs) night. So I'm so glad that you guys have all these new faces to add to your facilities and get recruits to come in. But that's not going to equate to championships or anything like that. It doesn't make you better than anything else. In fact, if we want to get historical, Duke has had 97 NBA players in the history of their program. Carolina's had 94. Don't let the, don't let the recency bias make you look like an idiot. I mean, don't just don't do it. Um, Yeah. Duke obviously has better players in the league right now, but they're not even the best at putting players in the league. That would be Kentucky. So congratulations. You guys, once again, are second best at something. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. Um, That ties with the person who tweeted um, RJ Davis is a basketball player. Tyrese Proctor is a hooper. Well, 
one just goes to the basketball player. <laughs> just what is that? Like, what do you even mean by that? But yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was a generational night, man. Beautiful. The three game losing streak in the Dean Dome is over. And the JK reverse jinx stays alive. So I will still, in my, listen, all I'm saying at this point, if we get to March, and the tournament's starting, I'm picking UNC to lose every round. I don't care if they're a one playing a 16 seed. I'm picking them to lose every round. <laughs> We're about to lose to the the NEC champs. I don't even know oh. who's – Bryant, maybe? I don't even know who's supposed to win that. No, nah, I do not want to see Doug in round one, man. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, listen, it was a great night, Riley. You got any final thoughts before we dip on out of here? Oh, man, I just uh... – I have full confidence in this team to enjoy the win today when we're recording. It's uh Sunday, but I, I feel like they're going to be ready to go on Tuesday against Clemson and let's get another pack Dean dome. Like people need to show out and cheer loudly. Like Clemson, they've really struggled closing games recently, but they're still talented. Um, I know th- what the history says about Clemson when they travel to Chapel Hill, but it's a talented team and just would love to see Carolina keep this momentum going, get a win against Clemson in, in the at the crib on Tuesday, and then go down to Coral Gables and put the nail in the coffin of the, the corpse of Miami <laughs> this weekend. I'm for some reason as bad as they've been. I'm still a little bit worried about that one. <laughs> Can't lie, but yeah. Carolina can DM up though. They can, yeah, they can. The flow, so, but another another great week in the books, man. Didn't look like it was going to be one after the Georgia Tech loss, but we bounce back. We prevail. UNC will probably still be in the top four in the AP mm-hmm. polls. The vibes are high for Riley and I. That was a little bar getting out of here. Um, we'll be back, man, to do some Clemson recapage, some Miami previewage. Until next time, man, enjoy some UNC hoops. Keep relishing in this Duke win, and we'll see you all next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.